What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, it's been a while since we talked about our old mate Jason Furman. Uh, has he paid his bills? He has paid his bills. Oh, okay. So we should record him a new ad. Surely he has a website now? Uh, no, he does not. Oh, uh, maybe he's provided a direct phone number people can order through? Uh, I'll just check. Nope, no phone number either. I like the way that you're actually pretending to look whether he has provided <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to get in contact with Jason, you still have to do that through Facebook. It's uh, Einswick Dog Quip, E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K. Jason can hook you up with all the things you might be interested in getting, the Firepaw Mills, which a lot of people are getting and loving. Mm. He has Herm Springer products, if you're into those. Yep. He has balls, leashes, tugs. Yep. And at the moment, he has a 10% discount on all Canine USA products. That's pretty cool. And I believe he's got a lot of the other stuff that you can use to compete in GRC as well, such as the sleds and the mm -hmm. spring poles. Yeah, that's correct. He yeah. sure does. Well, that's so great. That's a sport that, taking the world by storm. Yeah. So if you're into that or you just like training your dog, having a good time, have a chat to Jason on Facebook at Einswick Dog Quip. Yep. Send him an inventory via Messenger and get your gear. <laughs> <laughs> get a website, Jason, you bozo. Yeah. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm actually here today, and I'm joined in the studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Yes, you are. You're actually here, like I'm literally back. sitting yeah. next to me. I'm actually in the studio. In the studio. The the lounge room. The lounge room, <laughs> yes. The pseudo studio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm back. Welcome back. Thanks. It was good to have you back. I missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, that's beautiful. Oh, that's, isn't it? Oh, bro. You know who did a good job? Who? Birdie. Birdie always does a good job. Like, seriously, she is a consummate professional. Yeah. And we received a lot of accolades about her as well. Mm -hmm. It's nice because it's it's different and it throws a little bit of a spin on it. But I think one of the nice things about Birdie is that she's very researched about her topics. Mm -hmm. Like, she spends a lot of time collating information and evidence to support what she's talking about. So, she just doesn't come on the show and wing it like us two. Mm. <laughs> she, she actually, she is very well researched. She spends a lot of time on it. She collects and collates information, as I said, and she's a very interesting person to speak to. Like, yeah. she loves deep diving into, into topics. Mm -hmm. And I really value Birdie as a professional and as a friend. Like, she's a, yeah. she's a special kind of person. It was good. We've been sent that meme like a million times with that. It's like a kid sitting next to the poster of people eating yeah. cereal and it says what it, what it feels like to listen to a podcast. But that is amplified a hundred when it's your own show. Yeah, when you're away and you're, <laughs> you're not, not on it. Yeah. I was sitting in the airport listening to it and I kept trying to interject. Yeah. Kept trying to cut her off and talk myself. Oh, and I just, what? And I just look like a crazy person <laughs> in the airport. Uh, so no change there. Mm. Uh, but no, it was really good. And I especially like the Two Wolves Expanded episode. Yeah. I haven't heard that sort of alternate thing, but I, I agree with that much more. I kind of- when you hear the old, like, the one you feed, I was like, well, what is the other one? It's just starve to death. And then you don't have the capacity for, well, just the capacity to for a darker side. Mm. I, you know, um, I think it's a Shenzhen thing or whoever it is, but someone says it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah. And I feel like that sort of relates to the same sort of thing. Like, mm. you've got to have both those sides. You can't just shut it out completely. You got to have it for when it's the correct thing to do. So I like that episode a lot. I, I enjoyed it a lot. The expansion on it was quite profound. Mm. Um, as you said, I'd never heard that one before either, which is why I enjoyed the episode and her take on it because it was really, it did. It expanded a lot more on the theory of it, which is well, I think you summarized it well as the warrior quote. Mm. And if you look at any great philosophers or warriors or anything like look look at someone like Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. He primarily lived that type of life as well. Like he was a very sincere practitioner in Jeet Kune Do, but also he loved 
discussing philosophy as well, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, the man was a very deep man. He had two succinct lifestyles that he was very passionate about. One was his martial arts and one was his philosophy on life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you find a lot of people in life who have got their shit together, they live a very well-corrected, balanced life in that mm-hmm. style as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Bertie. Thanks for filling in. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, Bertie. Kept the show coming out and we had these aspirations of like, oh, I'll just be able to dial in. I'll have heaps of time for that. Mm. Wrong. Like there was no time while I was gone. You, I was flat you out were exhausted when you got back. Yeah, it was gas. Yeah. yeah, it was hard work. Yeah. I um, spoke to you on the phone not long after you got back and we tried to podcast and that was just going terribly because- mm. Skype kept dropping in and out on us, mm-hmm. and which was disappointing. But uh, yeah, you sound trashed when you got back. Like yeah. I think you were just flat out busy while you were there and doing like two four day seminars back to back, and all the flight and transport in between. Yeah, and hanging out with Sean really. It's great, you know, like it's very interesting and so forth, but I don't think people realise the incredible tax it has on you as, yeah. a, as a person. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed being away and the seminars were great. I mean, it is, the first days are always a little bit tricky. Got I, some really good feedback. Yeah, it did. Mm. Yeah, got some great feedback. People were really happy. Yeah. Um, no one booed me off, which was, you know, pretty good. I think you got your <laughs> shit together quite well. But the... Oh, presenting is is a little bit taxing, like training, draining, because you've got to be on your game and think and be clear all, all the time. It's not physically hard, but it's just mentally draining. Yeah. But that fucking flight home from America is a killer. Yeah. Because it, I don't mind going there. I don't really have too many issues with that. But it's for people who don't know, it's like a three day journey to get home because yep. you lose a day in you are traveling for a full day and you lose a day and you leave it one night and you come back the next morning. So, uh. To leave on a Monday, you you don't get back to Australia till Wednesday, and so yeah, it's weird, isn't it? The oh whole man. time, yeah, because Mike Suttle's on his way over now, mm. and for him, it's Monday, and when he arrives here, it's Wednesday morning. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, it is. It's a kind of a weird time zone because you just drop out of um, yeah. hyperspace basically yeah. and change dimensions, and it's just hard because you leave very late in the evening, mm. and then you arrive in the morning. So you. If you could just sleep the whole flight, you'd be sweet. Yeah. You'd be totally on But on when track. you're already tired yeah. and then you're double tired yeah. from the flight. So. And who can sleep on the flight? Like, oh, you know not really. I mean? Like, yeah. we ain't, we, well, to we be ain't honest, rock stars. I flew, We're not flying I, business I actually, class. I actually flew business class last time. Oh, la-di-da. Uh, yeah. So, I went to Florida. I flew, when I got to LA, I had business class tickets booked mm. there and back. So, I i got to be honest, I live the posh lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was up in the air eating oh, menu-driven food. Oh, so fancy. Yeah, it's very fancy. Yeah, so I had a top hat and little one monocle and, mm. um, yeah, we all were having like a 1950s-style party up up in the front of the plane. Yeah, I looked at upgrading my – on the way home, just for the trip home, yeah. was going to add like another $2,500 to my already $1,800 flight. So I was like, no, th- no, thank you. I can mm. I can be crammed into the seat down the back. Well, I actually the, – the reason I got the tickets wasn't because I just booked – business class it's because i went into like a, a bid yeah it's like a bid yeah. so it did cost me an extra two grand but i thought fucking worth it for that flight mm. so actually on the way home i slept for six and a half hours mm. you know just napped in between that which was really cool so yeah. i wasn't as gassed because i pretty much landed like you did and had to get straight to work yeah as soon as i get back here and i turn my phone on it's like glenn help do this can you come here i've got a meeting booked mm-hmm. um and it was just insane the amount of things i had to do mm. which is our lives. Yeah. That's where we're at at the moment. That's hey, where we're at. something I want to tell the listeners mm. is we tried to do a podcast on Friday. We got together to, to do that, but we had to go to the bank. Yep. We were at the bank for three and a half hours. Can you believe that? Mm. But we said earlier that we were, you know, with the Patreon stuff, well, I feel like we should be totally transparent on that. We haven't actually been able to access any of the money that people have been giving us on Patreon because we couldn't take it from Patreon because we didn't have a, a structure. They wanted our tax info. Yeah. And as a show, we didn't we didn't have that. So, And it's taken us – how long has it taken us? Like five months? Yeah, about five months. Five months to get structure and everything put together so that we can get access to the money from Patreon and then we had to get a bank account and everything. So mm. hopefully in the next week we should actually be able to have access to some of the money you guys have been very graciously Which is good because us. we've got a big backlog of invoices and bills that we've yeah. been paying. And, um, <laughs> so it's been a disaster. And new equipment that we've got coming on the way to yeah. um, hopefully enhance the show more. Yeah. So I've written up there and you have as well and uh, – you know, we've put content together and you just did a recent video again about the box just mm. to deep dive further into that for people who had questions about it, which again was very well received. However, the Patreon people, like the fan base, you, 
got no idea. We totally appreciate you. The, the show is growing. We're spreading further across the world and more people are reaching out to us. It's like it really is a blessing how many people are following the show. Mm-hmm. It's really fantastic. The Patreon people, you're keeping the show alive. Like yeah. it's it's you guys who are paying our bills for us and, you know, believing in the show enough to credit us with a little bit of money each month. I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes. Without that money, it's debatable whether the show goes on or not. Because yeah. sometimes when it's coming out of your own pocket, that's what kills shows sometimes. Yeah. You know, like when it's shockingly expensive. It is. It's to it, run a podcast. When you're doing it properly, it is. Yeah. You know, like when you're getting proper editing suites and you spend time. Like it's not just sitting here on a on a couple of microphones just spending an hour. Like it's hours and hours of work. Like mm. after I'm finished work and I'm sitting in bed, I've got the laptop on my lap doing all the editing. And that takes hours and hours and hours. So let's say let's say for example, we do an hour-long show, that can take me three to four hours to edit the show afterwards. Mm. Like I have to re-listen to every single show that we do and then um, I have to stop and correct things that are incorrect. For example, if we make mistakes in the show and we want to edit that out, I've got to go and listen to the show and mark that area and make sure that I'm aware where that is so I can get to that area and and skip it out. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a problem doing that. You know, I knew what I was involved in uh, from the get-go. But like I said, it's not just an hour having a yeah, chat it's a huge- and, and then throwing it straight onto iTunes. It's, yeah. it's a it's a commitment. And then for you, it's driving here when you do come live in the studio. It's driving here to get here, which takes you from between an hour, an hour and a half, depending on Sydney traffic. Mm-hmm. And then you trip home again. So for you, it can be between a three to four hour round trip to mm-hmm. get out here to do the recording. So for both of us, there's an enormous commitment. Anyway, that's our sob story, but but it's sob story. (laughs) (laughs) But it 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 sort of explains why we're so appreciative of the Patreon people. Very much, yeah. Yeah. And we're finally now be able to get access to that money and pay back all the things that we've been doing out of pocket ourselves. So bless you guys, really sincerely. Thank you all, and not like I said, not just the Patreon guys. Anyone who listens to the show and interacts, the community that we've built around the show. Emma Murdoch made a comment the other day about how it feels like family to her and mm-hmm. she just can't wait to hear the episodes. And, you know, like she's a, a huge fan of the show. She always has been. Our top, our, fan, our finally, top fan, finally. Finally, Emma, for goodness sake. But there's a lot of people who are on that forum religiously who mm. are giving feedback, providing suggestions for shows and so forth, which is really, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've got a lot of gratitude and I know you have as well to, mm. to those people for their their time and effort. Mm. We appreciate them. All right. Enough mm. about us. Let's yeah. talk about you. Yeah. Oh, there's no one there. Oh. It is just us. Yeah. Um, hey, so I had an awesome time in the States. A big thank you to Jen from Banks Canine Solutions. Yep. First one was in uh, Fitchburg is where, where she's at. Fitchburg. Yeah, Fitchburg. Yeah, well, that's mm. where she lives. I, I can't remember the name. I was Champion Kennels was the name of the place, which was a really nice little facility. Yep. Really cool. They were very gracious of them to let us in. Um, She's a really nice girl, Jen. Yep. Yeah, we sat with her at the ISCP yeah, on we'll the table. Yeah, the, the yep. ball. And then it was off to Maine with Terry and Amanda yep. from the Maine Dog Training Company. Our close personal friends. Close personal friends, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I had to explain to them that she, they were saying, oh, like we, we can actually call you close personal friends now. And I was like, no, you can't because now I know you and we are friends. You lose your ability. That joke doesn't work. No. That's what you say about people you have no idea. That. That's right. <laughs> so explain that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then up to Maine with them, four days there. We had a, a little change of facility halfway through you, the first you, day. You need to explain this story because it's fucking outrageous. Yeah, it is yep. outrageous. Mm. I won't name the, the facility or the dude. Yep. That leaves us, we don't have to worry about upsetting people then directly when I call him a fucking yeah. who kicked us out of the facility because <laughs> uh, Meg was there, Meg and Terrio. Yeah. Uh, and apparently like two years ago on Facebook, she made some remark about a rescue. Didn't name the rescue anyway. And the owner of the facility we're at, mm. it's his wife or something. Like it was some ridiculous, you know, it's it was- old stories. Yeah. It mm. was out. It was nothing. Yeah. Anyway, they wanted her kicked out. Obviously that wasn't going to happen. And then- because we're like, we, well, the girls did all this. I had no idea. This was all going on in while I was presenting. Yep. I'm up the front talking about clickers and bullshit. And I can see like a kerfuffle happening in the background. He called the police, right? Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, call the cops. Mm. Even though the cops were there. Right, the, like they were, there was uh, David was in the in the crowd as like one of the sheriffs, dog handler, 
Uh, he was, this is ridiculous. Everybody thought it was ridiculous. And then some guy took me aside. He wasn't the owner, he was some other dude and sort of put the hard word on me that she had to go or everybody So you had got the go. ultimatum. Yeah. And, yep. and they tried it on a few different people. And I was like, hey, first of all, bro, I don't organize any of this. I just do the talking. But also, if you're giving me the ultimatum, which is the answer? Like I said to the guy, like, which is the opposite of appeasing you? Because that's what I'm fucking doing. Um, I was like, I'll do this in the street. I don't care. But then, like a knight in shining armor, Jay Jack was there and he was like, hey, I have my gym is like three blocks away. All around good guy, Jay Jack. Yeah, that's it. All yeah. around good guy. And so, and he says he doesn't care about people. <laughs> <laughs> he cares very much. And yeah, anyway, he does. so he's, we, a good, he's a really good man. Yeah. So yeah. over lunch, we uplifted and, um, and went, went to Jay's gym and did the remaining three and a half days there. Yep. And to be honest, it, it was a much better facility. Uh, we just had to start a bit earlier and, and then finish a bit earlier so that we could work around his classes. Jay cancelled some of the classes so that it wasn't a massive impact. Like, he's a legend. He's such a fucking good dude. Yeah. The only, you know, we had to compete for sound with a CrossFit class for an hour on Saturday morning. Like, no big deal. I mean, right? that is massively significant, really. I mean, oh. you consider that's his business. Yeah. And to save the, the seminar. Yeah. To come in and just drop everything and kick everyone out and let it roll on. I mean, that is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is. So it's all Meg's fault. <laughs> so what what's the what's the thing what's the what's the deal behind the O Meg? Well that's like, a when when uh, it was all going down, I was like, oh, Meg, <laughs> what's <laughs> happened? And then that just has kind of stuck. Well, what a shallow piece of shit yeah. that guy was to yeah. do that in the middle of a seminar. Like to be honest, if everyone I had beef with over the years like there's people that come here for seminars that I don't particularly get along with, and it's not that I don't like them or anything like that. It's the you know we've exchanged comments before, but if I kicked all of them out of this out of the seminar, half the people wouldn't be here. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's- like I mean, this is the dog world. There are fracas going on all over the place with people disagreeing with each other, their training yeah. styles, their personality, their dog types, their breeds. You know, it's a as our our close personal friend Bobby Sapolsky says, mm-hmm. there's you know, Uncle Bob. well he understands and supports the us and them culture, you know, and it's we can see that a lot in what mm-hmm. we do, and he talks about that quite a lot in his book Behave, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really trying to digest that book, but he does talk about that concept of the whole us and them thing, and it happens. You know, we do create an us and them culture, and we do disagree with each other as human beings quite a lot. But the, to stop and cancel a seminar, I mean, that's seriously embarrassing. And that's a tarnish on the character of a person who would do something like that. I mean, if they came up to you and said, hey, listen, you've got a person in the in the audience. I think they owe me an apology. I'm pretty sore. And you, and you sort of sat down at a table and worked it out like genuine human beings would generally do. Mm. Instead of trying to cancel a whole thing and, and make and being a diva, calling the, the police thing. and calling the police. Yeah. I mean, really, dude, and that was that's just sad. That was that's uh, really, really that's really small. That was Amanda's second run-in with the police in 24 hours. Oh, Amanda. Yeah. She sounds like a rebel. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's wild and crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she, what else did she do? Oh, she just got pulled over on the way to pick me up one day. <laughs> but I was like, oh, another run-in with the police, Amanda. Good listen. What's yeah. going on there in Maine? Yeah, I know. Lobster eating, that's what's happening in Maine, let me tell you. Tell me about that. I ate a lot of lobster. That's, Looks that's good. It. Yeah, yeah it I saw delicious. it. Yeah, we had a big lobster cookout. Are they those big claw lobsters with yeah. the big? Yeah, they're big, not. The, they're the not the same ones. as the ones we have, are they? No, nah, they're, they're different. Like, yeah, they're different. Yeah, yeah. they're delicious. Are they fresh water or salt water? I couldn't tell you. They get cooked in fresh water. That's all I know. <laughs> Amanda, Terry, let us know. Yeah, I think they'd be salt water because they'd be straight off the. But coast. they've got those big, big claws, big chompers, big yeah. chompers at the front. Like we don't have those big chomping. Don't know. I've never seen them here. Don't know. All I know is they you you dunk them in butter and they're delicious. Yum. All right. That's it. That's enough talking about stuff. What, are we that just going to close the show off now? That's it. We're done. <laughs> you just wanted to get to that point about that dude that closed the show out. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I said, what's the point in having a voice if you can't call people? A, Did we use the button last time? We have to a fucking. Yeah. Take that. Yeah. Anyway, hey, do we have a topic? Are we actually going to talk about something? We were going to talk about that. Well, we did talk about it when we started to try and do the podcast last time. There was a oh, yeah. There was a listener on the show who was talking about trying to be involved in a dog club. I think it was an IGP. Mm. It's IGP now? Yeah. Or yeah. IGP, yeah. I'm waiting for the day that they call it IPC. Yeah. Internationally politically correct. Because <laughs> they're getting that way. Yeah. All these 
stupid acronym. I don't know why they just didn't leave it as IPO. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, they've got their reasons, I guess, and there'll be a heap of people out there who just got outraged and yeah, who cares? soiled over that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember your name, sorry, and my phone doesn't work in this room, so I can't look it up, but someone said that they knew how I felt from being banned from sports because uh, they went to their local – they called the club and they were interested and then ultimately they couldn't join the club for whatever reason. Mm. And I wanted to – I made a quick comment on the post – uh, but I wanted to talk about that a little bit in detail because we have in our club done similar things to people. And I suppose unless you've been in dog sport club, it can be hard to understand why that might happen. And mm. it's often not personal in any way, shape or form. It's pra- pragmatism really. So we have a PSA club and we have for a long time said that that club is full. We're at capacity. But our ability to hold a certain number of members is is influenced by the type of members that we have. Yep. So, and I believe that's the same in every dog club, regardless of what sport you're doing, but I can only talk personally about my own. I don't know mm. the circumstances that you were in exactly, and you didn't mention the the club because you didn't want to out them, but so I don't know, but I can tell you exactly what's happened in our club, why people have been upset at me in the past and, you know, just the truth around that. So the thing is, we, especially in our club, don't make money. We have a very small membership dues that we only charge yearly if we need the money. And we have a very small weekly fee of like literally five bucks each per week to bring your dog to the club. And I pay the $5, right? Like it's not like no one's yeah, immune to that. We, we train at Glenn's house and he pays the $5, right? Like we all, we're all in. And that just keeps up, you know, we have to bring judges out and that kind of thing. And we make enough money that way. I personally don't like the club trying to make a heap of money because I don't want, I often feel like that's sometimes where it's a politics and bullshit can come into play. We have all the equipment we need. We don't have very high costs. So I like to keep our intake very low so Mm. that we don't have to concern ourselves with that sort of thing. So what we are short on is time, right? So people travel from all over Sydney to come out to here where we can train and we only have, depending on the weather. Oh, look at Jay. She comes from Canberra. Yeah, that's right. It's a three and a half to four hour drive for her to get here. Yeah, And then back home again. Yeah. And she does that every week and and is one of the most committed members that we have. Yep. But she's she's part of the example of what I'm going to talk about. So what we have certainly as a finite resource is time. We only have a few hours a week together and that is not enough. We struggle. You've got to train your dog in your own time. And certainly in PSA, what we we need to do is the bite work because that's the one thing you can't do alone. You can do a lot of the development stuff alone, but you can't, you can't train with two decoys unless you have two decoys, mm. full stop. So the truth is you can only take so many members in because otherwise taking in more members just cuts into the time of the existing ones you have. And we have a number that we're at at the moment that we're like, okay, everybody can have a a decent share. Everybody gets to train their dog in the way that they need to each week uh, or their multiple dogs if they have that. And that's fair on who we have. So we have in the past said to people, no, you can't join because we don't have the capacity. So let me go back a step. Something else that's important in the club is you need people who really know what they're doing. And Mm. we're very lucky. We have some very high caliber dog trainers and and professional dog trainers in the club. Uh, But you need that in order to have people who are new. And of course, it's the responsibility of people who have been in the sports for a while or know the sports or are in the dog training to take on people who are new. That's how they come into it. There is a responsibility to do that, but you can only do so much. You can only give the resources that you have. You can't over overspread yourself or the club will fail. Mm. And it's the responsibility of the people in charge of the club to stop it failing. Yep. So from my point of view, and, and, and certainly I, I know you're on board as well, Glenn, that you you have to keep it fun for yourself and functioning for yourself. You can't allow so many people in that it becomes a burden for the people who are the ones that are actually propping it up. Uh, mm. And and what we have is people whose full-time job it is, like literally their day job is to charge money to train dogs, giving their time for free to train dogs. So they're literally doing their job for free for other people. And, and so it, the quid pro quo is then they get their dog trained in the scenarios whereby you cannot train that yourself. Mm. So that's the reality of a club. The other, you, the other thing about that too, just on top of that, I know you're on a, a, a bit of a- I'm working a trajectory. Yeah. I know you're on a trajectory, but what um, what I guess is you've got to look at this almost like it's Olympic tryouts mm. because if you're, let's say for example, you're, you start off in little athletics, okay, and then you're 
talent scouted and people say, you know, there's three kids in there that are doing really good. And then they go off to camp and, you know, one of those kids gets in and represents the state and then goes into being part of the country team. Okay. You can't just take everybody that is a good kid. Mm. You know, like there's there's probably a hundred good kids out there who like athletics and and are you know are good at it, but they're just not great at it, and they're never really going to make it to top tier sports, the elite level sports. And it's the same thing with any of the IGP, Mondio, PSA, and even in other clubs where you're doing ANKC and so forth, or Noseworks or something like that. Otherwise, it becomes a coffee and cake club. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice to have those social clubs. But what I generally say to people is if you do want a coffee and cake club, go ahead and create one. Yeah. Like that's create right. a group of friends where you can get together and there's no stress and there's no competitiveness at the end of it because really that's what the clubs are looking for. They're looking to produce top tier people that can go on and win titles and, yeah. you know, push the club forward. I mean, that's what you're training for. Is- well, in our own sort of. What do you call it? Our in our own constitution. Yeah, in our own. I guess it's a form of constitution for the club. Mm. The point one is that we are a trialing club. Yep. You are only welcome in the club if you intend to trial your dog in the sport. Yeah, because otherwise we're just as professionals doing our job for free for people mm. with with nothing to gain from it. As a club, we want people to be hitting the field. And if that was the case, we'd be better off dropping the club. Charging hundred bucks a yeah that's right a, a session and making some money out of it and turn of, into a group class instead of turning into and turn yeah. into a group class instead yeah. of a sport yeah. but we have people like say you know in the club just again this is our personal experience but we have and we talk about it all the time Jazz who has no dog that competes in PSA and comes every week just so that our dogs can bite her like yep. and does a huge amount of work for the club and is you know I would say an integral. Uh, cornerstone a member mm. without her here we can't train yep uh, and she comes all the way out f- it gives her time as a professional dog trainer gives her time uh just so that we can train our dogs mm. and and everybody benefits from that and without like she does that for free she it costs her time and money it doesn't make her any money mm. um so those and that has to happen in the club you have to have people like that otherwise the club won't succeed but where it becomes tricky, and I know this is um, maybe the circumstance that you're in, um, oh, listener, who I can't remember the name of, and I apologize for that, is that some people cost time and some people make time. Mm. So, like I say, jazz costs nothing. She only provides. She only makes our training more possible. So, if we say our, our capacity is 10 members, if, to pick a number, uh, an 11th member who turns up to decoy and nothing else uh, is, is very, very welcome. And then we've also been in positions where imagine someone turns up and imagine two people turn up, right? And they're both equally as keen. They're both nice people. They're great. One of them's got a Kelpie and says, I want to start doing PSA with a Kelpie and I want the challenge and I want the, I want the, the difficulty and intensity. And the other's got a shepherd that you Glenn bred and we go, well, you both equally the same people. We've only got capacity to take on one more person. Mm. It's a pretty easy decision. And it comes down, oh, well, you just want your own shepherd that you bred. No, it's way more likely to be successful. And we as a club have to channel our efforts towards what's more likely to be successful. So that's another true situation we've been in. Yeah. And unlike some of the other clubs around Australia who do character assassinate. Um, this is not character assassination. No, that's right. It's not about you. It's not about it's not a, an attack on you as a person. It's, no, not it's at all. simply that your dog won't do the requirements of the what the club demands. Yeah. And in that case you have to understand the last time Pat and I got together, like the unsuccessful Skype conversation that we had, I was telling Pat about when I was a young kid and I was doing boxing and I was, I did a couple of amateur fights and stuff like that. And I had a good coach. He was renowned in the area for producing good fighters. And by the time I sort of got along a little bit and had my stouches and, and uh, had my rounds and I enjoyed it. I did quite well out of it, but he said to me, so where are we going, Glenn? Are we going further here or what's the deal? Mm. And I had no desire to want to be a professional fighter. And, and to be honest, I don't think I was cut from the cloth to do it. Okay. I could fight. I did well. I, I won some rounds. It was good fun. I enjoyed it. But I just thought, you know, there was a lot of people in my family who said, don't do it. And and to be honest, I didn't really want to do it. So at that point in time, he said to me, well, look, I'm going to have to cut my time with you. And, you know, like the bags are over there. You're welcome to come in and put the headgear on and spar with the boys and basically be a meat bag for them to punch up and stuff like that. And that kind of hurt at the time. 
and for me as a young bloke, that was insulting. Mm-hmm. You know, like he basically turned his back on me, not in a bad way, but he said, I've got athletes, I've got to go train guys that are going to carry my name and to carry my legacy and make me money. And I thought, you selfish son of a bitch. He wasn't. It was me that was being selfish. Yeah. Even though at the time it was my ego that was hurting, I felt very wounded and it stung. Now as an adult, when I look back at it, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, he's totally right. You know, like he had every right to say that to me and it was me that was being a pain in the ass at that point Mm -hmm. in time. I was just a young guy with a lot of ego and, you know, I kind of thought he owed me something. Well, he gave me what he owed me. Mm -hmm. You know, he gave me everything he owed me. He taught me how to be a fighter. He said, said, here's the door, walk through it or don't. I chose not to. And he, he basically said to me, sorry, man, I'm in the other room now. Yeah. He was totally right. And I understand that now from a club perspective when clubs have to do that. And there is a right and a wrong way to do that. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, and we've yeah. discussed on this show the wrong way to do that yeah. when clubs do, as I said before, when clubs do character assassinate you and it's more about you as a person as opposed to them because there's some that's poli- right. political and, and that, chip on their shoulder. That sort of shit happens. But mm. I'm just, and, and what we're explaining here and certainly what I want to convey Hopefully, people trust us and understand. Like, this is the truth of some clubs. This yep. is what happens uh, in those in those clubs behind closed doors. Yeah, we have to make decisions that benefit the club. Mm. And we, as a as a club, we don't have any of those issues. Certainly, political assassination issues. We, the way we structured from the start was the it's iron fist by name and by nature. Mm. There is no committee. We're not requ- in PSA. There's no requirement to have any of that. This is how it works. This is I I am pushing it forward. I'm the benevolent dictator. This is yep. how it goes. And that's how we establish the club and people are welcome to to come in. And there's no, the cool thing about PSA is that PSA has no reach down into the club and how it, how it operates. That's club business. If someone wants to start a club next door, they're very welcome to, and I'll help them as much as I can. If they're like, no, I don't like the way you guys train or whatever, I'll be like, no problem. Like, that's totally fine. You, 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 there's no requirement to be in our club yep. in order to trial. You're very welcome at our trials. We can train together in capacity that you like, but there's, you can do what you you do you and I'll do me. And, and I've heard you encourage people to go out and do that. I've heard you say, well, you help the girls at Cerebus get up and going. Yeah, that's right. Um, we go up there and do some training days yeah, and, and that's, that's right. exactly. And they're, you know, a thousand kilometers away. It's not like that was a, they don't want to train with us. It's just that, that they're geographical location. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I mean, I've heard you say to people before when they've uh, approached you about the whole PSA thing. I mean, people have said to me, how do I get PSA going? I've said- Speak to Pat. Yeah. You know, he's the director for Australia, so he will get you up and going. If, yeah. if you've got the decoys and if you've got the infrastructure going, he'll get behind you and show you everything you need to do to get your club up and running. Yeah. And so the last thing I would say, because uh, every example I'm giving here are real examples from our club, mm. is another circumstance where we've told people, no, sorry, the club is full. We can't take any members. And then next week we have a brand new member. But that is because we had like Jay move from – Queensland, she had been traveling down. She'd already trialed her dog twice, I think, at that point and passed. And as I say, she so she she comes, she brings to the table a highly suitable dog, proven already. Is a decoy. Is, is can decoy for us. Yeah. And shown a level of commitment beyond you could what, what you could possibly ask for from anybody. Mm. And so we then go, okay, well, she adds. She doesn't take away. She yep. like, yes, I have to work her dog. That goes into the that that's another one in the cycle. And because it's a dog training for level two, they're long sessions. She mm. does take up a lot, big chunk of time. But, but she commits to it. Yeah. She breaks her ass to be here. That's it. And mm. and she value adds. She works other people's dogs. Yep. So and like I say, I would love the club to be I would love the club to be fifty members strong, but that would and, and in the allotted time that we have, that would only be possible if we had like five skilled decoys and mm. we could break into five groups and we could we could do that here. Yeah. Like on the property here, we could easily break into five groups and go different places. Mm. I would be 100% down from that. But the way the club then has to grow in proportion, new people learning about the sport, that there has to be a proportion of those in regards to people who know about the sport and not necessarily just the sport like PSA, the, the rules in general, but like actually how to develop a dog for it and assist in the training of a dog. And those things, they ha- it has to ebb and flow. You need some of one to, to have the other and you can't just take too many or the club will, will collapse. Mm. And so th- those are some truths about our club. And like I say, I use us as an example because I don't know your circumstance and I don't know exactly what happened, but that is – the truth of what's happened to us. And it's highly likely it's the same thing. Mm. You can't, not all clubs can, can take on the same thing. Of course there's fuckers everywhere that that's, that that's true. And maybe people are just being dickheads, but it's highly likely that 
the club that you've spoken to has too many people that are learning and not enough people that are teaching. And so at a certain point, to be fair to the people, the, the existing people that are learning, you have to say, no, I'm sorry, we're full. So, yeah, that's my rant about that. There was another point a while ago, and again, not to out this person because it was a genuine inquiry from somebody who I consider a friend, but they asked me a question about pretty much started the question with why are you involved with PSA? Oh, yeah. Um, about. You know, they said, you know, you're a, you and Pat are well-respected people and PSA has got a stigma of thuggery about it and so forth. Only by the, the people who are spreading that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't even related to a PSA incident. It was related to somebody outside of PSA that was formally involved in PSA, which, which was the issue around it at the yeah. time. And as I suggested to them, I said, look – what I suggest you do is have a look into Jerry Bradshaw's backstory. And mm-hmm. I said, because Jerry not only is a is a consummate gentleman and professional, he's also very pragmatic and very academic in his approach to life. I mean, if you look at the way Jerry, again, he's a, he's a guy that I consider a, a very succinct philosopher. Mm. You know, like I've read some of his memoirs and his thoughts about things. And Jerry puts a lot of time into thinking about life in general, not mm-hmm. just about dog sports. But- I would certainly not consider Jerry a thug no. <laughs> in any way, shape yeah. or form. I think what Jerry has done has put together a practical sport that is probably the most in line with law enforcement requirements around the world, yeah. which produces a dog at the end of the day that can go on to work in um, in military and police applications yeah. with great success. Or just be a... Competitive sport or, or be a competitive and, sport dog, a family dog. Yeah, you know, and and let me say that that on one thing, I there, there's a point where you and I were talking a while ago, and you were talking about other sports where the dogs can't be social. They're mm. so wound up and so off their head that they they're dangerous dogs to be around. Well, Randy competes in PSA and has so far done well in it. Mm-hmm. Remco has competes in in PSA and has so far done well in it. He lives with a child, goes to dog parks and plays with puppies. Randy is around people all the time. Randy has never indiscriminately bitten anyone or gone to do it. No. Like never. He plays with the decoys after he does bite work. Like I've got uh, I've got multiple amounts of videos with him nailing you and then you and him playing a game ball like seconds after the after it's finished. Yeah. Both of these dogs had the capability to be serious dogs. It's just the direction of training that we've chosen That's to right. take them in. Yeah. So if you consider that PSA is a sport that entails thuggery, then I think at some stage you've really got your story wrong or you just haven't researched the background into it far enough to yeah. make – there's well, th- there are there, look to be honest in every sport yeah, there are right. thugs there's people everywhere in every sport and it doesn't matter who it is in every sport you'll have a villain in every sport you'll have a person who's a piece of shit hmm. um, that will drag people down because that's just the way they are you know I mean the the dog world is renowned for the worst type of person trying to give themselves credibility because they've been a zero in life and yet the dogs have made them have given them that limelight. So they've stepped into the spotlight because they've done something with dogs or they've just spent enough time in front of a camera or in front of a microphone or mm-hmm. something like that. And yet they've got no value to add to this industry. I'm not attacking them as, a, as an individual person. It's just that the things that they say are just profoundly wrong. Mm. Something I was thinking about then, you know, our dogs are quite social mm. in, in the way we work them. And one of the things, and this is, I believe this is why, one of the many reasons why I was banned from WMA and, you know, they're, they're smart people. They're, they don't want the, the game. They don't want PSA here in Australia. And there is no temperament test in PSA. If your dog is civil, if your dog is aggressive, if your dog is dangerous, you are welcome to play because before there is any opportunity for your dog to cause problems, you've demonstrated control. And that's the point of the game. It's mm. it's designed so that people who work the streets with their dogs, there's numerous police. Sean Edwards has a level two title on his operational, or he's not operational anymore, but he's op, he, at that time operational police dog. Um, is that Zuko? Uh, no, he's his dog, Danny. Oh, Danny. Yeah. Uh, Stewie, sorry. Stewie. Danny is Janet's dog. Yep. Um, anyway, so- you know, and Jay works the streets with her dog in our club and has a level one title on that dog. Like yep. that's the point. And what is cool about that game, I know this is now becoming an ad for PSA, but it's it's the truth, uh, is that there isn't most sports in Australia, most dog sport clubs, 
will exclude people who have a dog that will bite for real or if the dog works, like works the streets, is a security dog or whatever. Mm. So you're excluded without a, a test on the dog. The, the, the game already has the test. You guys have temperament tests. There's in, in IPO you have, or IGP, you have to do a BH. In Mondio, you have to do that mat. So why on earth would you exclude someone on the basis of what their dog does during the day or during the night when you have a test that allows that into it, unless your test is bullshit, mm. right? And so PSA is designed that there is no temperament test. Your dog can be as dangerous and civil as hell, but if you can control it, then it's welcome to play. And let me say, let me just add to this how much of a better dog Saito has become yes. because of his work in PSA. Yeah, exactly. He's so much calmer. He's enjoying his work so much more. Yeah. The control that Jay has demonstrated over him has been considerable, cons- like Compare him to his journey into PSA at the start to now. Like, I mean, that dog is almost a different dog and yet still has all the intensity and all the power that he had. And yet he's a much calmer dog because of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and he's at peace. He feels good about his work. Yeah. So let me sort of finish on that. Sorry. That's one of the reasons why they didn't want me to be able to do anything in WMA is because I would pass their test, their Mm. temperament test. And then you get lose the ability to say, which I did. I did the BH, which is the their temperament test. And pass, no problems, Mm. right? So you can't say my dog is dangerous. Uh, Now, anybody that's ever met him, my dog – Remy is literally the most social dog I've ever owned in my entire life, right? He is the most he, friendly dog. He boards dog. here in the kennels. I've got young girls that, that look after him yeah. and care for him and have never, ever reported anything of aggression yeah. or untoward behavior apart from him dancing in his shit and spreading it all yeah. over the kennel. <laughs> He's a mix of mess. <laughs> but I, I've also never done any civil work with him because I don't need to, right? Like I it, I don't need that in the he game. He ticks all the boxes in what yeah, he, he needs to he do. He works in prey fine, yeah. so I don't Same do Same with it. Randy. I exactly. don't do civil work with him. And so uh, we don't have – we have dogs that are social. They don't need to be, but they are. And the reason personally – now this is a – this is not necessarily to do with PSA, but this is just a training perspective. Uh, I am, you are able to, as a decoy, give corrections to and reinforces to my dog. Mm. And uh, I can do that with your dog and, and I can do that with Jay's dog. And that makes training the dog a lot easier. If you have a dog that is so civil and so intent on biting the helper, the decoy, whatever, then you are alone in your training and it makes it very, very difficult to teach, say, a remote transport Mm. from a dog that won't take directions from the helper. And so, of course, from a sport perspective, like from my point of view, that's why we don't go to – we try not to make the dogs overly civil or too aggressive towards the helper. They bite and prey as much as possible. And then we have drive channeling and we do all that so that the dog can handle the pressure and that kind of thing. But from a sport perspective, to teach a a remote transport is a hell of a lot easier with a dog that will take direction from and be told what to do by the helper and Mm. understand, oh, okay, this is a training session. You're teaching me a new behavior. That just from my point of view is so much easier. And that's one of the main reasons why our dogs as sport dogs are we kept them that way and intentionally made them not aggressive. Like, you know, you see some people, as soon as their dog sees someone in a suit, loses its mind, just goes completely unclear and just wants to bite. Yeah. Well, that, of course you can teach that dog numerous behaviors in the presence of the decoy, but that is way harder. And from just from a, a competitor's perspective, I don't want my dog looking at the helper thinking I, I have to attack him before he attacks me. Well, there's so many, so many behaviors as you start progressing where the dog has to check out from the helper yeah. and, and stay focused on That's the right. handler. In the level two obedience, the, the two decoys are on the field to the entire obedience That's routine. Right. The entire obedience routine, you're being harassed by two decoys and the dog doesn't bite. So yep. anybody that will tell you that the sport is just madness, uncontrolled bite work, they've obviously never seen a trial because that that is if that were the case, you mm. just couldn't pass. It's impossible. And and something that is also uh, very important is a lot of people talk about in, in PSA that, oh, well, then you're just doing obedience for bites. Like you just won't succeed. You're the – certainly our dogs and dogs that are successful in PSA have to take their toy in the presence of the helper and find that reinforcing. You have mm. to take my reinforcer and find it reinforcing, right? You have to play the ball and and actually not just play it begrudgingly, like actually play it and enjoy it, knowing that that's not your decoy until I tell it's your decoy. Yep. And there aren't too many other sports that of people that can do that. Mm. That and and that's my opinion on that. But the, look, at the end of the day, the, the a caveat I have to say is that all of the sports 
I, I support them all, and I know you yeah, do totally. too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, we're totally behind all the all the sports. I wanted to participate in all of them. I, I wanted to do Mondio and IPO. All of with the my sports daughter. are relevant, and all of the sports should be supported with the right people. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that we're behind IGP, we're behind Mondio, we're behind PSA, we're behind it all. You know, it's not just a big plug for, for PSA. PSA is just the the game that we're playing. Yeah, it's just the one we chose to play, and and but now by virtue of choosing that one, are stuck to that one. Well, because we're kicked out of everything else. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because of the politics, not because of anything else. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but the reality is, is all of the elite levels in Mondio, IGP, PSA. I mean, they're fantastic, mm. and, and the dogs that are, have got to that level, they're they're just amazing, and we're totally behind them. We've said this before. It's it goes without saying that. It's madness not to support and not to allow these sports to continue. It's also madness not to have some sort of combined movement, as we said before. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't want to get political about it. We've we've said plenty of podcasts before where we're just it's just confounding in your brain to actually think that people won't get behind a joint effort and support each other as a as a better and a wider community. Because mm-hmm. I just think that the day that they do come to push the button to say no more dog sports, which Bart was alluding to um, only a couple of podcasts a while, it's coming. It'll be the day. They're coming for tools. They're coming for training styles. They're coming for sports, everything. And the small groups of people that you've lauded over, you know, your little groups of your pockets of 20 in here and there, they'll all just be disheveled in the end. There'll There'll be nothing there. Yeah. Which is a bummer. It is a bummer. It's the one thing that constantly is on my mind about, you know, like what's the point for the yeah. future? And that does get me a bit down. Mm-hmm. It got me a bit down recently, to be honest, because I kept thinking about Randy's age and, you know, like all the the effort and everything. And then, you know, like, but I can't think about that and just let it completely stop me because it may not happen because people might wisen up and we there might be committees and groups of people where they finally you know, overthrow the tyrants, get them out of the picture. And then there's a committee of like-minded people, sports people in each country, even into, even operating on an international level. If people got smart about it, you know, like a good movement, like people like Ivan Balabanov. Balabanov, yeah. Balabanov, yep. yep. People like him and there's other groups of people. Duke Ferguson's another one. There are good groups of people around the world who are trying to get movements of people behind them. Try, you know, I mean, I'm sure the Bellans have got a vested interest in it as well. Yeah. There's scores of people who are trying to collaborate with the wider variety, a wider community for people to say, look, enough of this. We've got to stop being a pocket of 20. We've got to be a pocket of a million people, yep. you know, to tell tell these senators to bugger off, tell these uneducated people, get educated, like start being smart about things, stop being emotive and stop being ridiculous about it. Yeah. That's wishful thinking right now, but still, you know, I mean, we talk about hope a hell of a lot in the podcast. We talk about the impact of hope in training. Yeah. And I, I think about it in the community spirit as well. I often think that if people get behind movements, if they listen to what we're talking about and we have built a community ourselves. We're speaking to people who are listening to what we're saying. We're, we're seeing a transformation in the way people are enjoying training their dogs. I mean, look at the, the massive movement the box has had with people. Mm. You know, look at the impact it's had. Even the Bellin's Napo system and how it's spreading around the world and people are enjoying lifestyle with their dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, Napo is, is a lifestyle for dogs. And now, you know, that's really taking wings, especially with your efforts in getting out there and- Well, um, a little bit, yeah. It, not a little bit, a lot. It's, it's <laughs> you know, there's there's a good movement there. There's a real grasp on that community. So, again, it's just me hoping, you, hoping out loud. You know what? I firmly believe that the world's best disinfectant is sunlight. So- It is. The, the yeah. truth is, you, you just got to put it all out there. And if you have nothing to hide, everything should be fine, mm. you know? And so- there's no, you know, we shouldn't be hiding the way that you train, shouldn't be hiding the tools from you. So that the fact that we use prong collars, no one, you shouldn't be hiding that if you use one because you, you should be out there showing the good quality of your training and then showing part of that good quality training is the use of this tool mm. for all the tools. If you're in a place where you use e-collars, then you shouldn't be hiding the fact that you use an e-collar. You should, where they're allowed to be used, you should be showing, this is what I use. Yeah. This is how I use it. And stop justifying it to the people That's who right. are never- bo- But you just show, this is, the, this is the results that I'm able to achieve. And like yeah. I say, the best sunlight is disinfectant. If you're a piece of shit and you misuse the tool, that everybody will get to see. Yeah. Or if you then say, oh, well, I don't like that and therefore- 
like I won't use that on a dog. Well, let's see your dog. Let's yeah. get your dog out and have a look. Yeah. And I think it's the same. That's why I have, that's why, you know, even though it's a laugh and I, I like it on Instagram, Remy has his own Instagram account because when the day comes when people want to say, oh, your dog is dangerous because he does bite work or whatever, I'll go, here is a catalog of evidence over the entire duration of his life from from the day I got him. That's right. To now of him. It's continuity out. of evidence. That's so, right. Hmm. Here's the training. Yep. He, here's like, cause there's detailed training videos on there. Here he is doing bite work. Here he is laying on, here he is yesterday playing bad guy for a four year old. Who, so he's just getting shot with a bubble gun all day and happily plays <laughs> the, happily is the um, bad guy to a four year old being, being Iron Man. You know what I mean? Like, and, here he and, is running away from a dog who tried to beat him up from a dog park. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Right. But all those things, it's, it's, it's there because it's all out and you can have a look and I've got nothing to hide. Yeah, mm. you, anybody can, can be with the dog. And he is that type of, dog i get some dogs people want civil dogs and whatever and that's fine and some people need them for whatever reason or the dog just is that we're we're pro that in our game yeah, it's not i've been but, around civil dogs before i've helped train civil a lot of civil dogs yeah, for people in the past it's fine it, yeah. if you have control then that's fine but you should be able There's to an demonstrate application for everything that's right and you should yeah. be able to demonstrate that control like yeah. it's fine just put it all out in the open and then nothing can it can't nothing my personal opinion is nothing can come back and to bite you in the ass when it's all out in the open anyway. Yep. If there's no skeletons in the closet, if the closet door is open, mm. you know, like the, the, there's no problem. Just show it all. And like I say, you know, the other week, uh, when we were with the army, it was a fantastic week's training for Remy when Bart was here because I had access to uh, a new decoy every day. So every day he got to bite someone that he hasn't bitten before because, mm -hmm. you know, in the club we're limited by the people we have access to. And also they were, you know, strong, talented decoys that could drive channel and put him into a lot of, put him under a lot of pressure. And same deal. He, he outs and then while they're still in the suit, have he just, as, as Bart said one day, that dog just took the beatment of his life from mm -hmm. one of the decoys, is then to that same guy is sitting there getting pat by him while he's in the suit. Like there's no animosity in it because he's no, this is training. We're, we're working towards it. And I show that shit to people. Mm. Like just because this is, this is the when truth. When you've got to be a soldier, be a soldier. When you've got to be a, a father, be a father. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. And so- I think that, and if you if you aren't showing that stuff, mm. if you're not showing, then you're hiding. Then we've got something to worry about, and that's across just not just the sports and but the tools and everything as well. If you only you're doing it behind closed doors, look. To be honest, that's that's kind of what really does piss me off in in the community with that is that people who are really truly you know anti tools and whatever. That's fine, whatever. But it's the people who are, say they are, but then use them in private. They're the people who are like pieces of shit and are dead to me. Or kick the shit out of their dog. Yeah. yeah. So, so do those things in private. So that's yeah. why I say sunlight's the best disinfectant. Here I am. Here's the tools I use. This is how I train my dog. But also here's my dog who's happily doing all the things I've asked him to do um, and can do all the things that I want of him, mm. including bite when he's told to bite and lay on his belly and be cuddled when he's told to do that. Yeah. You know, like it's... It, it, there it is. The evidence is there. You can't dispute it. Mm. You're welcome to come and have a look at it. And more people should do the same. If I can, if I can compel anyone with whatever voice we have here, that will be that. And if your dog really is dangerous and can't lay on his belly and be pat by anybody, show that how you can control him. Yep. Like have that body of evidence to say, well, no, I can lock him into heel position and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't bite anyone without being told mm. in spite of his desire to do so. So just show it. Mm. And if you have got a civil dog, as Pat was saying before, that's fine, but- Keep your dog out of trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. It's no problem. Take there's, the precautions there's been, you need. There's been people in the past, like I said before, I've trained a lot of civil dogs for people because we were working in a lot of security dog training. Yeah. And these people had very, very serious dogs and potentially dangerous dogs, but they always kept them under lock and key. Yeah. They used them for their work. These dogs didn't have a bad life. They weren't subject to living in a box or anything like that. They were their family dogs. They'd come out, they'd do their work, they'd go home. You know, if they walked them, they'd walk them in areas where it was late at night or outside of public places. They did everything right. And these dogs lived their entire life having a good life with the handler. No incidents. No incidents. Yeah. The only incidents they had was legally authorized incidents. Yeah. But apart from that, outside of that, these dogs were, they were transported safely. They were kept safely at home. They had lockable areas to keep the dogs if they weren't there. They had suitable people to take care of them. I mean, we've taken care here of civil dogs. Dogs that are, are quite intense dogs at our boarding kennel. Yeah. And I'd say to the girls- Well, that's how we met well, in part because I I had a dog that was too dangerous really to to go anywhere else. That's right. Else. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. There, was, there is we only- We met the seminar, but- Yeah, but that's how I started coming here. There's only so many places you can take a dog that is like a dangerous dog in the kennels. 
there's only that there's only a few around. Um, yeah, we've just I'm I'm just very fortunate and I've praised my staff before, but I'm very fortunate that I've got a good contingent of very intelligent and dedicated staff that if they do have a problem with anything and as and specifically related to dog behavior, they tell me straight away. But I've also got a good contingent of of staff that have actually done the NDTF course, mm. are trainers and know what dog behavior is all about. So, I mean, and damn, a facility a-, a facility whereby you you can have no interaction with the dog, right? And like I live can, here too. Yeah, but I mean, the yeah, you the can, girls can they can the double stage kennels. You can put them outside, clean inside, put them inside, clean outside. That's so right. If yeah. you have that dog that's extreme and can't, you know, like is by nature like that, then yep. you you can manage it. Mm. But there aren't that many places that can do that. That's right. And plus, I'm here to back them up as well. Yeah. Mm. Hey, you know what? what? We just talked about PSA a lot, and I should just probably point out that Jerry Bradshaw is coming to Australia. Oh, uh, wow. How yeah. did, what we, are the odds of that? Ring that <laughs> That's all That's a month in. away. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So first weekend in June, if you're in Australia, make, get your way to Sydney. He's doing a – it's not a – you know, in the past, prior to the trial, Sean and Janet have done like an intro to PSA seminar. This is uh, going to be Jerry talking about controlled aggression. And so it, it is bite work centric. It's just a bite work seminar. Sean's here. Janet's here to support him. So, you know, amazing got, contingent yeah, of people. Unbelievable lineup. Yeah. And because it's the club running it, I mean, it's booked through my website just because that's easier, but it's the club running it. We're trying, we're not looking to make money. So it's like 250 bucks. It's, it's, it's got to be one of the cheapest seminars going on mm. in the country and will easily and especially, be one I of the mean, best. no steam off Sean and Janet who are amazing and dedicated and, and terrific people. But I mean, it's Jerry Bradshaw. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's the, the godfather of PSA. Yeah. And also the owner and director of Tar Heel Kennels. Yeah. Um, producing law enforcement dogs all over the world. Yeah. And just an amazing, intelligent, pragmatic man as well. Yeah. Uh, I can't sing his praise enough. He's done a podcast on here. He's got his own podcast show. Yeah. Um, you can hear all about that. So, you know, I, I think especially if you're involved in law enforcement with uh, streetworthy dogs, it, it would definitely be in your best interest to get along and, and meet Jerry and have a chat to him live in the country while he's here. Yeah. And, you know, we regularly get the people asking the question, how do I get into bite sports? How do I get into decoying? Well, that the, is that's step your, one. That's your be, lead. Be mm-hmm. there. If you're not there, then you're not trying to get into it. That's, yeah. that's the truth. And also speaking about all-round good guy, Jay Jack, he's going to be here as well. The following the month. The following month. Yeah. So we've got Mike Suttle this weekend. Crazy busy. Crazy busy. Jerry Bradshaw coming next month. Mm-hmm. And then the month after that, we've got uh, all around good guy, Jay Jack. Mm-hmm. Hey, another one mm. is we're doing another PSA decoy cert as well. So that's happening the 3rd and 4th of June on mm-hmm. the Monday, Tuesday. So, you know, if we've only got a few people registered for that, which is good because we, we want to keep the numbers to people who are – not just turning out for the funsies because it's a certification. So, but if you're interested and you want to support the game, you, you don't need to be, be in a club. You don't need anything. If you just are not scared of dogs, athletic and can follow instruction, yep. come along, get, get it. That's all. So all the details of all that stuff is on my website, operantcanine.com.au slash PSA. And there's three events there. There's the seminar, there's the, the decoy sir, and then there's the trial. Yep. And same deal. If you're in any of the other sports and you want to have a crack at a PSA trial, you're welcome to do so. Mm. Uh, you can join PSA, the organization, for like $75 online. You get a membership number, you, you can come and trial, and you're very, very welcome to do that. And as I say, even if you're doing IGP, you can do the PDC, which is our entry-level test. You can do that on a sleeve. So it has no impact on your Well, your you get training. thrown out of your club, but- yeah, but only if they know. You could just <laughs> <laughs> stand up to your masters. Stand up to your masters. Overthrow your tyrants. Yeah, that's mm. it. All right. We've done all our plugging for our events and mm. we've waffled for a while. I uh, reckon we wrap it up. Yeah. Good time to wrap it up. Once again, thank you to all the people that uh, hosted me in the US and mm. big thank you, you know, even more so to the people that turned up and I just hope that you found what I had, something I had to say valuable. I think most people uh, did. Most people, I got, you know, no feedback's one, good. Yeah. No one booed me off and no, I got no, pretty good feedback. Good. And, and you've got, uh, you're back there in a couple of weeks with Jen. Yep. That's right. So Jen I'm in, in California with Freelick, uh, is it? Freelick? Freelick? Jen. Jen. Um, Another <laughs> Jen, Jen too. <laughs> also Jen. <laughs> also Jen. Um, yeah. yeah. Jen Freelick, I think. That's yeah. how I've been saying it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at her place the second last weekend in May. So, there's a couple of weeks there. If anybody – I think there's one spot available left. Mm. Get in contact with her. I would look forward to meeting you. Hi, Jen. How's Han? Yeah. Han She's the got Roddy. Han the Roddy. Yeah. yeah. I look forward to seeing him again. Yeah, he's a big beast of a boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, she's a dedicated Star Wars fan, so she's ticked a couple of boxes. You'd have to be to name Rottweiler, it. Rottweiler, Star Wars fan. Yeah. I'm nerding out here. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say? No, that's it. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. If you want to support the show, best way to do that is via Patreon. Three bucks a month gets you an extra episode a month. Ten bucks gets you access to the live Q&A. And 20 bucks just makes us love you. And 500 bucks, you know, proves you're crazy. 500 bucks, we'll get nude and get into bed with you. I, you keep saying that, but I'm not convinced that we should sign up for that. <laughs> you just don't know. Someone might do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I have spent more money on laughable things. I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody mm. does the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. okay. Well, I better retract that. Yeah, retraction. Yeah, Pat uh, will get nude and get me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, play the music. <laughs>